Your Money Replay from Money FM 89.3. Influence with Michelle Martin on Your Money, only on Money FM 89.3. This morning, we meet a former banker from BNP Paribas and former Asia CEO, brilliant one of Publicis, Guillaume Levy-Lambert shares with us his thoughts and his reflections on art, his accomplishments, his journey from brilliant regional CEO of a communications company to prolific art collector who is on a mission. He wants to spread the transformative power of art after he experienced it himself and he'll take us on that journey of transformation. Guillaume runs a collection consultancy and a gallery called Art Porters and we're also going to talk about investing in art and what you need to understand. Guillaume also has a wonderful radio voice. How are you doing Guillaume? Bonjour Michel. <laughs> you just made my morning. <laughs> Built for radio you are Guillaume. Okay I want to start with a cheeky question. Has money and the whole theme of the affordability of art ever made it to the walls of your gallery? Oh yes, in the gallery we have artwork starting at uh, $50. We are trying to break the notion that art is uh, not for everyone because it is for everyone. I have, I almost want to say sadly, billionaire friends who come into the gallery, look at the artworks and think it's not expensive enough. Really? Yes, sometimes I think I should add a zero or two to the prices. Just for them, maybe. Maybe. (laughs) But you also have had artists exploring the theme of money, I'm sure. Yes, yes, we do. Uh, One of our artists we represent, uh, Nafar Apshar, he's from uh, Jakarta. He studied here in Singapore at La Salle. And very cheekily, his artworks depict characters who uh, like uh, famous brands. And he indicates on the artwork sometimes the, the price or the imaginary price of the goodies that they showcase. He's looking with humor at how we consume goods and how we like brands. Yeah, there's great personal spirit at your gallery. I visited Art Porters from the sort of mural on the outside back wall of the art galleries to the pieces that make it to your gallery. I wonder if you could take us through a journey of how you pick the pieces that you exhibit. Well, Michel, first, thank you very much for visiting the gallery. And I'm hereby inviting your listeners to do the same. Oh. We, we are in, as you know, what I believe is the most charming part of Singapore. It's a hidden gem. It's the Spottiswood Park, Blair Road, Everton Road area. We are 64 Spottiswood Park Road in a conserved heritage shop house. Because it's primarily a uh, residential district, visiting the gallery becomes a destination experience. And Mm. we open every day except Monday from 10.30 a.m. to 7 p.m. The experience of visiting the gallery, first there's a context of the whole neighborhood where there is uh, public art, there are uh, murals, uh, there's two substantial murals on Everton Road by Yipu Chong who lives in the neighborhood. Mm. And behind the gallery, yes, as you mentioned, we commission a, a painting, a mural painting by Alex Face, who is um, a rather famous Thai street artist. In fact, there are some people who come to the neighborhood specifically looking for that mural and to, to take photos. To take photos with the painted cat who is adorable on that yes. back wall as well. What are your thoughts about, I love how your gallery is situated in a residential part of Singapore. What are your thoughts on the art scene here in Singapore? Well, it's wonderful to be part of a generation that is uh, in many ways creating this art scene. I mean, obviously there's always been art in Singapore, but you know, it was not a priority for the pioneer 
generation. True. And I suppose un- understandably so, looking at how Singapore succeeded to, to build itself as a nation. Now, in my time in Singapore, which is coming to a quarter of a century, I've had the privilege of seeing art becoming more and more mainstream with thanks to initiative obviously from the from the government with you know museums like particularly the National Gallery Gimlin Barracks but also private sector in- initiatives in particular I want to salute uh, Affordable Art Fair who I think has doing a fantastic job to uh, showcase art and demonstrate it's for, it's for everyone. Mm. And on that theme of art being for everyone, I wonder if you can share a little bit of your own life journey. I mean, I wanted you on this show because we met, talk about a serendipitous moment, we met and then I realized I had actually met you previously digitally because I had watched your TED Talk where you describe a chance meeting with a Liechtenstein piece of work called Desk Calendar how did that transform your life and even change you maybe as an artist? Yes. Well, first, I'm not famous enough that I would be uh, feeling nothing when I hear some, you know, story like what you shared, Michelle. I was very touched. It's the second time this year that I meet someone who says, wow, I've watched your TED Talk. So it's actually it's a, a TEDx. One. It's on the YouTube channel. You Google Guillaume Neville-Lambert or the title Documenting Divine Providence. Yeah. So what I share on the talk is uh, what happened to me 20 years ago, what happened to us 20 years ago, to my life partner, uh, Mark, and myself. Mark is Singaporean. We had just met a month before and decided to uh, take a vacation together. The vacation took us to uh, Los Angeles. And because we both into contemporary art, I mean, I grew up in a family um, uh, near Paris where art was important. My uh, maternal grandmother, who studied to be an artist, would uh, drag me to the Louvre as a toddler. And Mark, who studied architecture in the U.S., uh, went through many classes of uh, art history. So very naturally, we go to this museum Hmm. where we stumble upon a painting by Roy Lichtenstein. Lichtenstein, because of his comic book type of images, was my favorite artist when I was a teenager. So here we are, and we just know each other for one month. We're halfway around the world in the first museum we ever visit together in front of this artwork called Desk Calendar. It's a big black and white painting. It depicts an appointment book with things scribbled on it. The first thing I see is the date of Desk Calendar, the date at the top middle of the painting, which is... Monday, May 21, 1962. That's the date I know best, the day I was born. Mm-hmm. And then on the left-hand side of the painting, there is this uh, plan for the year with the 12 months, and there's one date circled, only one, with an arrow pointing to it, October 26, Mark's birthday, which, by the way, is coming next month, so I better think That's of something. Thing you remembered. <laughs> <laughs> And so this is the beginning of what we call the calendar story. And the story is tentacular. Um, So I'd always collected. I bought my first painting when I was 20 years old. When we we moved in together about a month later with Mark and we had a conversation about wanting to leave a legacy of that story. And the idea of collecting seriously came about. That's how the Magma Collection was born, which is today about 500 artworks, mostly from China and Southeast Asia. And Mm. the collection has become part what's now my own conceptual art project. It's transformed to tell the story of the collectors. 
we worked with uh, Jean-François Milou, who's the architect of National Gallery of Singapore and a very dear friend, uh, who's the scenographer of our, of our collection. He's created for us the concept of diptych. On one side, there's a painting from the collection. On the other, there's a, uh, an exhibition board with a poem that I wrote. There's today an English version and a French version. Mm. Uh, because the story starts at the museum and has taken me everywhere around the world to meet uh, the first owner of that painting, who was a famous Italian collector, mm. to meet the widow of Liechtenstein, his younger son. And every time I got clues in this treasure hunt that I call life. Sounds like you're still understanding art, even as you continue on this. Uh, I was looking through the photos that you sent me yesterday of your recent activities, and it looks like you're very passionate about being an art educator, so to speak, even as you learn more about the field. I want to talk a little bit about investing in art. You know, volatility seems to be the theme these days. Does art as an investment hold its value well in times like this? Yes. Now, we never looked at art as an investment. However, I mean, our collection has become the, uh, you know, the core of our own assets. It's been more the result of uh, following our heart and doing research as well. So Mark reads a lot about the artists we collect. So we've had uh, the fortune of selecting artists that have uh, taken on a lot of uh, value. And that's why we like to recommend supporting the whole art ecosystems you know so it goes from building art appreciations going to the museums appreciating the works of the creators going to the gallery and supporting young artists we've always wanted to buy exclusively artwork by living artists whom we could meet and we wanted to feel the immediate economic impact of what we do because when you buy an artwork you encourage the artist to produce more you're not just saying it looks beautiful you're saying i want it at home and i'm parting with some money for it so as a case in point, we have actually two main ongoing exhibitions at the moment. One at the gallery in the room one, which you've seen, Michelle, Kitty Kong's color playground. And it's Kitty Kong is a Thai artist from Chiang Mai. He does extraordinary work on uh, paper and on canvas with color. The reception by the public is, is extraordinary. So when you buy one of those paintings, it's an investment. But first, it's an investment in your own pleasure. You come home at night after that work and you see these brilliant colors and it's going to pacify you it's going to bring you places you never imagine you wake up in the morning it's one of the first things you see it will set you up for your day in a most extraordinary way so that's one way to invest in art. The other exhibition we're associated with is one of the artists we represent, Jamie Tio. Mm. She got... Is she uh, Singaporean? She's Singaporean. Oh. She's a young Singaporean. She won deservedly the Silver Award for Young Emerging Artists at the UOB Painting of the Year last year. Yes. And UOB, the bank, has invited her to exhibit. So it's in the lobby of UOB Plaza One. It's open uh, daily to the public. And like, like the gallery, it's a free entrance. Uh, it's until November 6. And it's also really extraordinary colors and work with a brush oil. It's called Shifting Stillness. Love that, love that. Are, are there some trends that you are noticing in Southeast Asia that you can maybe share with our listening audience interested in building a collection of their own? Well, the trend is certainly collecting is becoming, as I mentioned, more and more mainstream. So we see first the general public interested in art, but at the, at the top end of the market, we certainly see 
um, uh, individuals or families setting up a budget for collecting as a percentage of their total asset base. So I think that's quite sound to say, I mean, if you reach a certain level of wealth to say, well, we're putting so much in real estate, so much in stocks, so much in bond to mm. allocate a part to art and then to take a personal interest, how that's built. Because you can delegate managing your stocks or bonds to a bank. And then you, you mentioned that, I, you know, that, that, that was my first career, asset management and private banking. In fact, when I moved to Singapore, my first office was at UOB Plaza on oh. the 41st floor with the, with the bank. <laughs> there we go, the serendipitous uh, connections again. In terms of the what an investor can use to make smart investments, besides their own you know, instincts, are there increasing resources here in Southeast Asia that one can turn to when it comes to investing in art? Yes. Well, you know, you've got uh, the auction houses, you've got uh, art galleries, you've got... Uh, uh, art magazines that you can read. So, uh, and of course, there are art consultants specialized in helping people build collections. Mm. Um, uh, I think it's like, like, like for everything else, it's a matter of finding a fit between your, your need and the expertise of the person you, you'd approach. So you made a couple of transitions in your career from investment banker, BNP Paribas, to a publicist CEO for Asia, to here you are an artist, a collector, an educator. Um, when it comes to disruption, do you think technology is going to change our ability to appreciate art with attention spans diminishing? Yes. So there's two themes in your question. For, you know, reinvention. I'm a big believer in reinvention. Even if you have the... Uh, luck or the wisdom to find your uh, your vocation your calling early in life the way you approach uh, your craft should change every day given the speed the you know the incredible speed of change that we are now witnessing in in everything so for me it's been more dramatic with uh, these reinventions including the one as an, as an artist as you mentioned because as a, so as a conceptual artist i document divine providence that's another long story. What was the second part of the question? Do, you know, as a gallery and a collector, do you think that people's technology is, is uh, impacting yes. our ability to appreciate art as human yes. beings? I think technology is a fantastic enhancer of that ability. First, look at Instagram. So you can follow exhibitions in the, anywhere in the world. You can discover an artist through an image. Of course, that has limitation today because it's a 2D image. But imagine you see something that someone, say, in New York, sees something in my gallery that they like. Uh, we can have a WhatsApp video call today that's free. Uh, we can show, show them the artwork from up close. We can uh, share the story of the artist. So the, the, the power of uh, technology and social media is enormous. And this is only going to get better as 3D imaging uh, takes place. Okay, well, I'm glad that you are optimistic about the future of art. It's been wonderful speaking with you. Love that radio voice of yours, Guillaume. <laughs> well, I'll come back anytime, Michelle. <laughs> and admission is free to your gallery at Art Porters, yes? It's free, and then there is also room two once you're there. It's kind of a secret room oh, with that. a whole setup. There's artworks there by other Singaporean artists, Ayman, Chloe Manasseh, um, and lots of surprises. 
Yeah, wonderful. Great getting to know you. The co-founder of Artporters Gallery, Guillaume Levy Lambert, with me in Influence. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.